Handle on the News. Handle on the News! 2018, if you don't have a job, if you're not in school, get to a... Bill Handle. And now, here's Bill Handle. All right, here we go. Tuesday now. It's uh, May 29th. Uh, a lot of stuff going on on May 29th today. For sure. All right. Just a quick hello to the crowd. Uh, Jennifer Jones Lee. Hi, Handel. Hey, hey. Uh, Wayne Resnick. Good morning. You walk in literally 12 seconds before we start. You want to get your microphone in front of your face? Yeah. It's a high precision drill that uh, we do here. Yeah. No, show. it is. Uh, and uh, yesterday, uh, you, uh, of course, filled in for me, and thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. You didn't get paid any extra money for that, do you? No. <laughs> That's why you fill in so often. <laughs> Because a lot of people come in, get paid extra money. Yeah, they get a just a, another paycheck. Yeah, before I before I joined the show, if I would fill in, that was an yeah. extra paycheck. Yeah. Oh, but, now, but after you joined, now, yeah. Now oh. that I'm part of the show, no extra. And when I uh, when I was doing weekends and I would fill in, I would uh, get uh, you know, basically I'd get a pay paycheck about the same amount of money they pay now. Really? Yeah. 25 years later. Welcome to radio, everybody. That's true. And uh, Alex, good morning. morning. And John, good morning. morning. What is that on your T-shirt? It's it's a lightning bolt. Oh, okay. It's the flash. uh, And is that Morgan over there? Oh, hey, Morgan. Morgan, our uh, minimum wage uh, new person here. Uh, With a college degree in what, Morgan? You flip it over. Uh, Yeah. Uh, broadcast journalism. Of course. There you go. Uh, but from a, a good school, right? Okay, here's, you know, when I say, let me explain how this works, okay, Morgan? So this is radio, and when I ask a question, you're supposed to answer it. And if you nod, no one can see you because this is radio. I just need a few minutes to think of an answer. I'll get back to you all later. Okay, well said. <clears throat> okay, guys, are we ready to uh, do it? Yes, do it. we are. Lead story. New York, New York. Okay, well, here's the latest. It's back on again. Uh, and at this moment, uh, North Korean official Kim Jong Chol heading to New York. And uh, talking to uh, various uh, leaders, high-end uh, folks, management folks, officials, uh, American officials. And it looks like it's it's happening. Uh, South Korea is involved. Uh, South, matter of fact, South Korea is not only talking to Kim Jong-un, but I think the president, certainly on the phone like crazy, uh, President Moon Jae-in on the phone with our president. This thing's going to happen. And we'll talk more about that later on because uh, the issue, of course, there's two issues. One is the big one, denuclearization. What does it mean? No one has really figured out, well, we know what it means. We don't know what Kim Jong-un figures out what it is. And the other one, uh, this was based on what John Bolton said about the Libyan model, is Kim Jong-un wants a guarantee that we're not going to have regime change. We're not going to go in and attack North Korea and toss out Kim Jong-un as if we were ever going to. I mean, we never did, and or we never would. What, we're going to go to war to toss him out so someone else comes in and does exactly the same thing? So uh, it's going to be fascinating. They're going to meet. 
Well, two Belgian police have been shot and killed along with a bystander bystander in the city of Liège. I think it's pronounced Liège. No. It It is Liège? It is Liège, apparently. And I love my pronouncer is specifically Liège, and you say the J sound at the end like Jaja. Isn't that a great pronouncer? Yeah, Liège-Jaja. Liège-Jaja, exactly. So, uh, sad story, though, this morning, because listen to how this went down. So, Belgian officials say that the attacker was killed, but not before he stabbed the two police officers, then used their own guns and shot them. So, how does he... So, I I guess he went up to two police officers? That's what it sounds like. And and just stabbed stabbed them and uh, killed them? Got their guns, shot them. And then shot a bystander, too. Now, do we know, I was listening to you coming in, uh, Any? Uh, do we have any information as to whether this was a terrorist-related attack? Nothing yet. I had heard you say something about Allahu, uh, Allahu Akbar. He did. He yelled Allahu Akbar. And then also, apparently, after he stabs the, the police and the bystander and shoots them, then he runs off to a school and he took hostages there. And there were some teenagers, I guess, in the school, but I have not heard anything about injuries to any of the kids. Okay. Uh, CHP is investigating a little collision between a CHP car and a motorcycle. Right into this world. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So, according to the CHP, uh, an officer sees this guy on a motorcycle passing people on the on the right shoulder, which is a big no-no. Tries to pull him over. Motorcyclist takes off. Uh, and they end up going through an intersection where, stopped at the red light there, are a bunch of other motorcyclists who are doing a fallen hero ride. And after they go through the intersection, some they both kind of move over to the right, and boom, and the motorcyclist falls off the motorcycle. All the other motorcyclists come over. We saw you push him. We have it on video. And now the CHP says they'll look into exactly right. why. And do we know it was, does it look like it was done on purpose? It looks to me like he's trying to, he's obviously trying to get the guy over onto the side. Does he mean to hit him? I don't, I mean, I'm, my, you know, gut says, no, he didn't mean to hit him, but he did hit him. Judge for yourself, because the video is up at KFIAM640.com, keyword wake up call. Also, sorry, Bill, to bring up the phrase judge for yourself. I know. I know that's a sensitive phrase for you. Television show I had. Oh, that's right. Went in the toilet. Uh, matter of fact, if you go into my guest bathroom at home, uh, there on the wall, I have my uh, wall of shame, uh, all the shows that I've been fired from, uh, they're in the toilet. They've gone in the toilet. I have posters of them all over the bathroom. And uh, one of them is Judge for Yourself, the worst television show in the history of television. <laughs> oh my. They no, should have called it the crap show. Let's say worst television show in the history of uh, court-related television shows. No, it goes beyond. Wow. Oh yeah, the bad the bad television show uh statement, the moniker goes way, way beyond just in the court shows. All right, let's take a break. And do we still have uh the no. giveaway? No. Oh, we're done. For now. All right, we're done. So all right, so here we go. Uh we're gonna take a break and coming up after the break, we are not going to have our thousand dollar giveaway. How exciting is that? All right, Jennifer. KFI handle here, and uh, good morning, everybody. Some of the big stories that we're covering: is, first of all, Israel and Gaza—they're at it again. 
uh, uh, folks in Gaza unloaded uh, some missiles into Israel. Israel, of course, has responded uh, big time. And today we're going to hear proportional response. First thing, it'll be Israel's fault. My bias, not me. Uh, and then Starbucks uh, at, uh, what is it, 720? Uh, no, when are we doing Starbucks? 730. And uh, today they're closing this afternoon, all of them, for anti-bias training. Uh, a monumental waste of time. And I will explain that at 730. Why? I don't even know why they bother. And... There is now a video clip of your failed television program, Judge for Yourself, on our Facebook no page. Kidding. Yes, the official Bill Handel show. <laughs> you can go see uh, what Bill looked like, how he sounded. I was pretty big. And then uh, all your critiques. And I sounded horrible. Please send all your critiques oh, of his piece, performance to of, uh, Alex Razzo at iHeartMedia.com. Yeah. And if you find any other clips from this show, you also mm. send them in. We'll get a you know, whole do is collage it, together it, for you. Put it on Instagram. Can we can put we it do on that? Instagram or can we put a link? Well, yeah. Yeah. It might, uh, might, the video itself might be too long, but we can figure out a way to yeah. get it through Instagram as yeah, well. My, my but for right now, go to the Facebook page and check him out. Yeah, my daughter started uh, her Instagram handle at home for some reason. and uh, Oh, she started a separate Instagram yeah. instead of feeding that yeah. content to the Instagram for yeah. the show? Yeah. I just started watching Is this watching Pamela? That. Pamela or Barbara? Barbara. Barbara's doing yeah. it. I just started yeah. watching it and saw... I think a miracle happened last night. Oh, uh, that's right. As to what you were eating. Yep. It's a miracle. Miracle. A genuine miracle. Okay. Uh, Jen, we just talked about Starbucks. Yeah, let's move on. So let's move on. Oh, all right. (laughs) Hold on. You killed story four. I did. Wow. Kilauea is the gift that keeps on giving if you like lava. Hot lava. Hasn't stopped. Matter of fact, it it just keeps on growing and growing and growing. Uh, over 40 homes and 82 structures in total have been destroyed so far. 10 homes were destroyed on Sunday. Yeah. So and, how, what do you think of uh, uh, property, uh, the prices of homes uh, within a couple of miles of Kilauea? You think uh, you can get them pretty cheap these days? I would think so. You probably got a lot of, what do they call it, motivated sellers? Yeah, I would think so. <sighs> yeah. And the vol- the volcanic gas emissions are still high, and then they have this, they call it VOG, volcanic smog. Oh, yeah. Just That's like- going to get worse because yeah. the trade winds are going to die down, so it's going to collect more. Ugh. All the video we're seeing every night of uh, people standing in front of this very slow-moving lava coming towards uh, them, and it is just, I mean, it's crazy. And then at night, when you see the rock, uh, the molten oh, yeah. rock shooting up, it's like a fireworks display, and it's uh, it's it's somewhat. It was someone uh, who was being interviewed. Of course, they interview uh, neighbors all the time. I think put it beautifully. It is uh, both beautiful and at the same time devastating. Yeah, and he's right. Yeah, it was very well said. All right, so true. Oh, speaking of devastating, just this bizarre story: two journalists in South Carolina have been killed on the job by extreme weather. I've seen fire and NBC affiliates. Yeah, they worked for this TV station. Uh, anchor Mike McCormick and his photojournalist Aaron Smeltzer. You know, a lot of times what reporters do is you go, you get the story, and then you go back to your car. And you sit in the car, 
and you're editing your video or uh, you're writing van- your stories. No, these are the vans. Or vans, whatever it happens to be. Right. But, you know, and it, for us, it was cars, whatever it happens yeah. to be. But everybody does the same thing. You go get your stuff, and then you go back, and you write your story and put your piece together. That looks like what they were doing. The car engine is on. And down it goes. And a tree oh. that had just, you know, the roots had loosened from the storm right just down. crushes the car and kills them both instantly. Uh, another death of a Yeah, longtime radio correspondent Bob Fuss has passed away. He started his career uh, with UPI covering the Patty Hearst kidnapping back in 74, and he went on to cover every presidential election from 1980 to 2012 and 15 consecutive Academy Awards. He passed away from leukemia at his home in Virginia. God, I remember that, uh, the Patty Hearst story. I remember that. And that's out of that came uh, the famous Hearst Burger that was offered by Burger King. What? Two, two pieces of bread and the patty was gone. Oh, 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 oh. You remember? She had disappeared. All right, let's move no, on. No, yeah, we remember the case. Uh, Not that joke, though. Uh, okay, you know what? I think we are going to take a break and we will come back. KFI handle here on a uh, Tuesday, May 29. Uh, first, want to invite you to join us for an elegant evening high atop Los Angeles. It's uh, the KFI Bennett for the uh, benefit for the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California. And for $400 donation, you and a guest will enjoy cocktails and appetizers at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown L.A., Unlimited sky slide rides and all the KFI hosts and news folks will be there. And it is Monday, October 1 from 6 to 10 o'clock in the evening. Uh, You have to be 21 years or older to attend. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California campaign. For details, log on to KFIAM640.com. And the word you want to search is Mixer. Okay. Uh, Some of the big stories that we are covering. It looks like the summit. Uh, U.S.-North Korea summit is back on again, and uh, Starbucks. As a matter of fact, uh, I think the CEO of Starbucks, Schultz, is uh, speaking right now on CNN, and we're not going to cover that. And at 7.30, I'm going to tell you all about what a monumental waste of time uh, this afternoon's uh, anti-bias training uh, is. Okay, let's go back to a handle on the news. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, there's a judge in Orange County who has handed down a pretty clear message when it comes to action on the Orange County homeless crisis. Fix it and fix it fast. That's just the way it is. U.S. District Judge uh, David Carter, and uh, it's been a mess. There was a negotiation. Everybody agreed. Uh, so or the, the County of Orange uh, then uh, put... Um, all these uh, people in Santa Ana Riverbed, uh, Riverbed temporarily in the motels. Well, they're, they're done with the motels, and now they don't know nowhere to go. And the judge said, you fix it. I want a plan. Problem is, where do you put them other than just indefinitely just write vouchers? And why only the people in the Santa Ana Riverbed? How about all those people in uh, the quad, Civic Center quad? How about them? Do, uh, how about those folks? Do they uh, get vouchers, too? I mean, this thing is virtually insurmountable. Yeah, he wants his answers on June 13th and plans by July 16th. And there's not going to... But what are you going to give him? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Can't wait. You know, we should... uh, uh, 
I have Spitzer on, you know, to talk about that because it's uh, he's the one that has to deal with this uh, because it's uh, the county board of supervisors that have to deal with it. So why don't you and Spitzer like for this morning? You want maybe, him or maybe or maybe. tomorrow? I don't know. Should don't get know. him this if you're going to get him, get yeah, him this why morning we, before why don't we see if Spitzer wants for one of those other grubby judge. shows on this station grabs him. Uh, and he may be on all of them for all we know. No, he is. He's at the bayonet bayonet tip of uh, Orange County. I mean, that's his thing. He's one that's been leading the charge and dealing with it. He's very good friends with Judge Carter, by the way. Uh, they've known each other for years and years, and he was uh, instrumental in the negotiation between Carter and uh, the Orange County Board of Supervisors. But don't you think with that relationship, that being said, that the two of them could get something done if there was a way to get something done? Oh, they did get something done. But they well they got him bounced. Yeah, they had no, they had a plan. A no, no, they had a plan with temporary housing. They had a plan with the vouchers. Uh, they had a plan to set up shelters. If you remember that early on, and then the city said no. Revolted. Yeah, that's they just, the problem. They just all the, the neighborhoods all said you're dreaming. Well, Carter, and so they had they had to yank it back. Yeah, Carter at some point is going to have to figure out a way to get jurisdiction over the cities. Yeah. So he can then basically say, you must have he, a shelter in as your As a matter city. of fact, it could be that he simply takes it over and uh, then appoints. Yeah, he and appoints a receiver, much like did with a lot of desegregation plans around the country uh, where they just couldn't get with the busing issues. Right. And the feds oh, just the right. feds just said, OK, you can't do it. We'll do it. Same thing with uh, it was um, it was a gerrymandering uh, where that issue came up and the feds just took it over and said, you can't handle it. Yeah. And the state, our state's prison health care system. Yeah, also, same thing happened. Taken right. over by the feds when it just can't be done. And it may very well happen. Matter of fact, I want to ask that of uh, Spitzer when he comes on. And uh, Spitzer will. And Spitzer hates. The Todd, line. if you're listening, call yeah, the back will. line no, right will. now. No, he will. And uh, one of the things about Todd is uh, all you have to do is say, hey, would you consider? Yes! He does have enthusiasm. (laughs) These headlines about, uh, you know, 1,500 missing children, immigrant children, kind of misleading. It is. And we'll talk about that at 820. You're going to get into why why the headline is is not really. It is hugely misleading uh, because uh, this one, the government has done everything right. They've even gone beyond what they're supposed to go under the law and getting nailed for that. Well, speaking of getting nailed, Ivanka Trump has seven new trademarks in China. Is it a conflict of interest or just bad optics? My little China girl, we I mean, you have to assume that everything is above board because the Trump family would know that they're going to be under scrutiny for every little thing that they do. Yeah, but this is this is a conflict. But the, I, I mean, mean, she's a senior advisor to the White House. Uh, she is sells hugely in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this is the Ivanka Trump trademark that she has uh, copyrighted in China. And uh, it's it's too close. It really is. Even though she says she's no longer in the management, but she hasn't divest, divested, uh, my, like Rex Tillerson, divested everything he owned in order to be Secretary of State. Boy, that was a good idea. And he gave up. <laughs> and he gave up being CEO of Exxon Mobil. Now he just stands forlornly outside the headquarters. He certainly does. Saying, and this oh, has to do. And she is involved in everything. Uh, this is kitchenware, furniture, paper products, cosmetics. Matter of fact, she uh, trademark uh, Moo Goo Guy Chair. 
Do you think that's hers? Is, is it an ethics problem if everything is is above board? I don't think so. Or is it, it only is. an ethics problem if somebody thinks she's getting special treatment I th- in the registering of I, her trademarks? I, while the United States is negotiating. I believe it is an ethics problem in and of itself, much like what the state bar does. So she should not even be trying. That's correct. Much like to the, do these yeah. things in China right like, now. That, that's right. Opinion. It's on its face. It should be. Um, and here's what the state bar does with attorneys uh, who represent clients, uh, where you can have consensual sex with the clients. It's an ethical issue on its face. Even the appearance of a conflict. And judges have to recuse themselves. Well, they never do. But even with the appearance of a conflict, they should recuse. All right. uh, We'll take a break. Come back. We've got plenty more of Handle on. Hey, if I handle here, it is a. Tuesday, May 29th. All right, uh, before we uh, get and finish up, handle on the news, late edition with Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me, the top stories that we're covering. Uh, Israel and Gaza are at it again. Gaza unloads missiles into Israel, or mortar shells, actually, and uh, jets, Israeli jets have bombed uh, some targets in the, Gaza script, uh, in the Gaza Strip. Also, Starbucks. This afternoon, closing about 8,000 locations, uh, the mandatory anti-bias training, monumental waste of time. And I'll share that with you at 7.30. All right, Rudy Giuliani went to a Yankees game and got a booing. Which we had the audio of that. Maybe they were just going, Rudy. I don't think so. I think they were out and out booing him. It was bad. Yeah, well, this is yesterday, and they, you know, they announced happy birthdays to everybody there who's got a birthday, and they go, uh, Yankees wish a happy birthday to Mayor Giuliani. Ooh! Yeah, all over the, uh, it, it was. And which is gone, weird for him. Yeah, he I mean, has gone from uh, a very well-respected uh, the U.S. attorney uh, in the New York area to the mayor. America's mayor. America's mayor, where he was uh, widely respected. Oh, yeah. To now he is a shill for President Trump. I mean, his attack dog. And uh, I think a laughingstock of, uh, of politics and everybody. You know, he has gone so far down in the shill department. I don't want to mention any other names. Shill, uh, Sean Hannity, uh, and a few others. Hey, why don't you not mention another one? Sorry. All right, let's move on. Uh, this is a sad story out of Downey. Uh, a veteran who suffers from PTSD had his car stolen with his dog inside it. I want you to love me like my dog does, baby. It's a service dog, Marcy, who is still undergoing training. And on Saturday night, Apollonio, or, uh, Apollonio Munoz stopped at uh, like a convenience store ampm goes inside to get a coke but he leaves his 10 year old dog in the car with the air conditioner on yeah just for a second he's going in yeah he's just gonna go grab a soda and come back well that you know two seconds somebody stole his red honda with marcy inside Uh, and and he's he's begging for 
uh, the return of Marcy. No questions asked. And people are saying, hey, why didn't you take the dog inside? It's a service dog. There were no questions asked. He didn't have the, the dog's service vest and tags on it. So uh-huh. he thought he was doing the right thing. Yep. Yeah. All right. And another, another dog. case. Yeah. Uh, so this guy uh, parks on the apron in front of a house. He's uh, picking up some of his family. And here comes parking enforcement. They start to tow his uh, his car away. And his dog is in the car, so he jumps up on top of the car and sits on top of the car as they're towing it away. Yeah, and it, 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 and the driver drives it for about a mile. And didn't he scream, at least let me get my dog? He and did, the, and, and, the, the driver and the tow said, driver's like, sorry, pal, I've hooked you up, and off you go. Isn't that amazing? It's just... So the police came. Um, I wish the dog had eaten this... The tow truck truck driver? I know. Well, the cops came and intervened, and they actually handcuffed the guy for a brief period of time, and then they let him go, and he's back with his dog, and he says, I will never let this dog out of my sight again. Would you pay $700 for a digital license plate? Let's get digital. digital. No. There's there's nothing I want to tell anybody that's worth $700. Well, here's the thing. So we've got these... Uh, license plates that are actually being debuted right now. So they're being like in a testing phase right now here in California. They're digital plates. They can display everything from, you know, stolen vehicles. So you could just have that all of a sudden appear on your car. But you're, or, you're, you're talking about not the plate itself. You're talking about the area around the plate. Well, it's they're calling it a license plate. But what they're saying, too, is, you know, how you have to put the little sticker right on the, on the car every year. This would just automatically be shown. You, know, on there. I, you wouldn't I, have to put the little sticker. I on agree. All, the time. all the effort of. Putting a sticker on the car is certainly worth seven hundred dollars. Wait, it's seven hundred dollars. You have to peel the back of it, and you uh-huh. actually have to put it in the corner. I tell you, that's well, a drag, isn't sometimes it? Sometimes you got to scrape off the old ones. Uh, that's another two minutes. Yeah, seven hundred bucks. It's seven hundred bucks for the plate plus installation plus seven dollars a month. Yeah, and you have to get it all done at a dealership. Oh, so it's like an upgrade. Yeah, to that's- the car. People are going to line up for that one, aren't they? By the way, I had my uh, sticker stolen off the car one time. It was a news vehicle. I got pulled over. It was like five years worth of stickers had been stolen. The cop told me, always take a knife and skewer the sticker so that that way, if they try and peel it off, it just comes off in little pieces. And that's Yeah, you slash it with a razor blade or yeah. something, and then they won't try to take it. Interesting, <clears throat> right? Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, well, <clears throat> there's a new video game coming out on June 6th, and it's called Active Shooter. And if you're thinking, well, it can't possibly be about school shootings, yeah, it's about school shootings. You can play as a school shooter or as the SWAT team trying to stop the school shooter. There is no limit to what these video, where these video games will go. You remember Grand Theft Auto? Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. one of those? Of you That's act- quaint now. It is. However, and I don't know if they have that anymore, but uh, one of the scenarios is uh, you pay money to a hooker and you're not happy with uh, what she did, and you beat her up if she doesn't return the money. Yep. That's in a video game! It doesn't surprise me. This company, uh, it's not a big video game company called Revived Games. I think they their entire business model is to make games that will get them a ton of press because of how controversial they are. Probably. Previous games, not kidding around here, Tide Pod Challenge and a game called White Power Pure Voltage. Well, there you are. Rest, I rest my case. All right, guys, uh, coming up, uh, the U.S.-North Korean summit is a go, maybe. We'll talk about that coming up.
sort of, kind of, maybe. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, in the meantime, this is KFI AM 640. Oh. And this is uh, KFI Handle here on a May 29. Oh, hello. After Memorial Day. Oh, that tweet yesterday by the president was so bizarre, wasn't it? Where happy Memorial Day and then uh, talked about how uh, the the dead veterans would be thrilled about what Trump has done and uh, how many jobs there are here. And just very weird. Just a strange tweet. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, big stories that we're covering. Uh, the summit, which I'm going to talk about right now, Israel and Gaza. Uh, Gaza sends up some mortars, 25 mortar shells, and Israel attacks with jets. And uh, Starbucks closing, 8,000 of them this afternoon. Mandatory anti-bias training. In half an hour, I'm going to tell you why. It is a complete waste of time. It's a monumental waste of time. Okay, guys. uh, Now, uh, the White House, it's uh, back in line. It's the summit. Uh, Summit may actually happen on June 12th, they have a couple of weeks to put it together. And that is not a long time when you're putting together something as monumental as this is. And uh, so uh, where and uh, how is this happening? Well, and it's been back and forth. And I think only this president could put it together this quickly. Uh, because uh, Donald Trump can change gears in a heartbeat like he did with the Chinese company. Uh, we don't want to lose jobs in China. Huh? Well, well wait. I, I thought it was all about America. Not on this one. We want to keep jobs in China. Okay. Uh, and what happens? Uh, it's just him turning on a dime. And that's exactly the case here. He's the one that cancels the summit between Kim Jong-un and him and himself. Uh, that was going to happen on June 12th because of hostile comments made by Kim Jong-un, which that's exactly what Kim Jong-un does, is make hostile comments. And now uh, they're putting it all together. I I think Kim Jong-un caved on this one, saying, "Uh uh-oh, you know what? It really is time that I sit down without all the crap that I throw out. And out of this came a fascinating bit of news, which maybe we sort of knew it, But it's now become uh, an open news source. It's now become just obvious. Kim Jong-un has admitted it. And which is, what is that? Well, first and foremost, uh, the issue is uh, denuclearization. That's going to be the big one. His definition of denuclearization and our definition of denuclearization are two different things. Ours is the complete absence, giving up every bit of their weapons program, their nuclear weapons program, dismantling, destroying, allowing for international uh, international inspections. Uh, that's our idea. His, we don't even act, we don't even know what his is. But most experts saying he's not going to go that far, and we simply have to expect it. And the other one, and this is the one that is so fascinating, is one of his terms, which of course. Uh, the uh, President Trump offered that, and Kim jumped on it, is that there will be no regime change. 
after John Bolton, our uh, uh, John Bolton is a national security advisor, I think, uh, and he talked about the Libyan model. So what is the Libyan model? It has to do with Muammar Gaddafi. In 2003, Muammar, Muammar Gaddafi denuclearized completely, trying to get back into the community of nations, trying to get back within the world community. And so everybody loved it. Sanctions were lifted, and everything was hunky-dory, if you want to call Libya hunky-dory under Muammar Gaddafi. And eight years later, Arab Spring and Muammar Gaddafi is uh, thrown out of power and assassinated by his own countrymen, the rebels. And with the United States' help. Now, we didn't go and actually assassinate it, but we are in favor of the Arab Spring, and we came out publicly in favor, and I think uh, there was some arms, there was some help given. And so here's the mix-up. John Bolton, when he talked about the Libyan model, and the president said we helped overthrow uh, Gaddafi, is somehow combine the two, and they're two separate issues completely. The giving up of the nuclear program and the sanctions lifted, and it was only eight years, it was eight years later in which Gaddafi was killed. And somehow it's be, that's combined, and it's not. They're two entirely different scenarios. So what Kim Jong-un wants is no regime, regime change. The United States is not going to go in and toss him out of office, and once he's tossed out, he'll immediately be killed as soon as he's overthrown. I mean, people are not real happy with him. And for the first time, he has admitted, de facto, by saying what he said, that he in fact is afraid of the United States attacking and throwing him out of office. It has always been the other way. We're not frightened. No one is a. We're defensive. We now have nuclear weapons. Uh, you come in, even though he hasn't said you come in. Well, if you know, if you attack us, we're going to come right back and we're going to blow you to pieces. And he is afraid an attack would be to overthrow him. And he's admitted, I don't want that to happen. And if the United States guarantees that it doesn't happen, And incidentally, the United States can guarantee because Kim Jong-un only sees the United States as attacking and throwing him out. He has, uh, I don't think he has any fear anybody else would, even South Korea. It's all going to be the United States. So he's admitted, okay, I'm genuinely frightened of that. He's never said that. He has never, ever said that. So we have those two. One of them we're going to give. There's no question. Uh, President Trump has already said he guarantees no regime change. So the big one is going to be the lifting of sanctions, which are crippling. And as a matter of fact, more were going to go into effect, uh, I think, uh, today, if I'm not mistaken. And the president is holding off, and he is saying, okay, let's sit down and talk. Let's put it together. Will there be a summit? I think so, if not June 12th. Will they talk? Yes. Will there be some compromise? I think so, which is kind of uh, neat. So the temperature of the world has dropped a couple of points, which is nice. Okay, uh, coming up next, uh, the president's security approach is confusing everybody. And there again, uh, you shoot from the hip, and it goes back and forth, and it's just fascinating what's going on with that. And no one understands it. And we'll be back with that. Uh, In the meantime. Just like the white winter. 
KFI Handle here, and uh, good morning on a Tuesday, May 29th. Uh, big stories that we are covering. It looks like the summit is back on track. Uh, the Belgium attack looks like there was a terrorist attack, maybe. Well, certainly was intact. Two police officers and a passerby are killed uh, when a gunman opens fire in the Belgian city of Liège. And it, it's a horrific uh, killing of the police officers. Uh, the assailant stabs the officers and takes their guns and then shoots them. And he was killed by police. All right. Uh, interesting going on. Interesting things going on with uh, President Trump and trade. Now, President Trump uh, is obviously in favor of free trade, sort of, uh, unless it hurts the United States. And so uh, he looks at a balance of trade that is uh, in favor of some other country as inherently bad for the United States. If they're selling us more than we are buying, that's bad, and particularly with China. And so uh, let's put some tariffs. He's talking about uh, 25% tariffs on cars and aluminum. Cars is a big one, and that was that's the second most important. Cars. 20, against Japanese cars, against German cars coming in. And therefore, if there's a 25% increase in price, well, you know, certainly it helps the American car manufacturers. They love it. Uh, but the problem is that's, what does that have to do with free trade? How does it connect? Of course it doesn't. And here's one that, that really made everybody spin, not only the financial folks, but also our allies. And that is ZTE is a company that makes components for phones. And it does billions of dollars in the United States. Well, what it did is it violated U.S. sanctions on Iran and North Korea. So it, what it did is sell them products in direct violation of U.S. laws. And so what uh, President Trump did is shut down ZTE. That's it. You're done. And we are their biggest market by a long shot. They literally were about to go bankrupt. Their market disappeared. Well, based on the new relationship and based on the fact that uh, we, the president, uh, on our behalf, uh, is in the middle of dealing with China, what the president did is uh, last Friday announce he was allowing ZTE to reopen. They're back in business. And the reason he gave for that is national and economic security. And our allies are baffled. They don't see how it connects to national security. I mean, you can connect with national security in sort of a, uh, you have to connect the dots, and there are a lot of dots at the end of which uh, somehow you can make an argument for national security. But it really is all about our trade, nothing more, nothing less. And our allies are going, wait a sec, based on national security, uh, you throw the sanctions on ZTE, you effectively shut them down because they violated U.S. law, and then you go ahead and open it up again. You hit them with a fine, a big one, $1.3 billion, management changes, and a promise to buy American parts. So that's good. But the point is that ZTE is now back in business selling the United States products. And uh, the president is seen once again as just flipping back and forth 
We'll do it. We won't do it. We'll do it. I'll do it. I'll not. And the president has almost total control over uh, this this entire trade issue. And uh, people just are saying, I mean, we just don't understand it. And then he tweeted, and this one just floored everybody. And that is, uh, he is, one of the reasons he is doing that is to protect jobs in China. How does that work with Keep America Great? That we want to protect jobs in China. And, of course, he doesn't get nailed for it because that's who he is. And uh, there are some laws that have been put, uh, put into effect. Incidentally, in relation to this, uh, what the president is doing and uh, is talking about... Uh, Severe tariffs. Both Republicans and Democrats are spitting with this. And it's, uh, what do you do with this? Well, uh, we happen to have elected a president who, number one, shoots from the hip. We've said that a bunch of times. Goes back and forth, vacillates. And the uh, the problem is, is, you can vacillate, I can vacillate, I can change my mind tomorrow. Doesn't affect anybody. When the president changes his mind day to day, that's a tough way to run a country because no one knows what's going on. And that could be exactly the way the president wants it. It may not even be vacillating because he doesn't know what he's doing, which a lot of people are arguing. It's because he wants to put everybody on edge. He wants the world to know that he can change his mind. You don't know where I'm going. And I'm the one that has the control here because you don't know how to react. You re- you react to something I say today and then I spin it tomorrow and change uh, your uh, change my mind. One of the things that the world wants is stability. They don't want change a lot. The markets don't want change. Our allies don't want change. Okay. We've just started, haven't we? Or have the president has just started, and we're all trying to figure out which way he's going. And no one knows. I mean, no one knows. His staff doesn't know. The American people don't know. The markets don't know. And our allies don't know. And our enemies don't know. And uh, the president may very well, and he probably does. He likes that. That's the way he governs. All right, coming up, Starbucks anti-bias training. Today, this afternoon, they're all shutting down. Monumental waste of time. I'll share that coming back. KFI AM. I'm having a lonesome cup of coffee. The brain is making with the wings. And walks this dog. All right, handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning, May 29th. Some of the big stories that we are covering. It looks like the summit is back on, and we'll get more of that today. And uh, the Belgium attack is uh, horrible. Two police officers and a passerby are killed uh, in, in a horrific issue uh, or a horrific story out of uh, Belgium, the Belgian city of uh, Liege. Okay. A huge business story. It's gone beyond a business story. It's just become a national story. And we've been hearing that this was going to happen. And it is. Today, May 29th. This afternoon, 
Every single Starbucks operated in the U.S. will close so employees can attend anti-bias training, which will address implicit bias, promote conscious inclusion, prevent discrimination, and ensure everyone inside a Starbucks store feels safe and welcome. Okay. Now, as I've been promoting all morning long, this is a monumental waste of time. Unless you consider this a smart PR move, wherein Starbucks is shown as a corporation that really cares, in which nothing is going to happen as a result of this. And I'll explain why. Because uh, anti-bias, we're not talking about just treating minorities, treating women differently, uh, being biased uh, covertly, or uh, just being biased openly. No, no, we're talking about this deep-seated bias that so many of us, I'm going to argue all of us, have. And in one three-hour session, uh, they're going to tell the employees... And we're talking about an insanely complicated issue, both sociologically speaking as well as psychologically speaking. And I'm talking about psychologically speaking that only not only goes to the individual, but is, is generational and even historical. And it goes back, for example, the way we view African Americans and starting at the beginning of this country and it has gone on from generation to generation a bias and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time because it is there have been books and books and studies that have been done on internal biases that we have going way way beyond just everybody should be treated the same and get rid of your bias one of the biases that we have for example is we tend to be a very herd-like society. That's H-E-R-D. Society, we tend to hang out with our own. And there is a bias against the other folks. That's inherent in simply the way human beings work. We're hardwired for that. We like to hang out with, uh, we tend to, to hang out with who we just, have come from, are comfortable with, have lived with, have grown up with. So in one three-hour session this afternoon, they're going to deal with that. You betcha they're going to deal with that, aren't they? I mean, think about that. I mean, that becomes absolutely crazy. You know what the, the analogy is? is we're going to spend three hours this afternoon and you're going to get a master's degree in those three hours. That's it. That's what we're going to do. You have a bachelor's degree, you spend three hours with this afternoon, and you walk out with a master's. Isn't it a little bit more complicated than that? Well, not in the, not in the Starbucks world. So uh, this is an article, uh, a, an interview with uh, Frank Dobbin that was done. And, I th and uh, usually I, I tend to say, okay, one interview doesn't do much. But I think Frank Dobbin, who is a sociologist, he's a Harvard sociologist, and I think he puts it in uh, just the best terms possible. And uh, 
he talks about Starbucks needing a uh, symbolic gesture. And therefore, this doesn't do anything. And I want to dive into that a little bit more when we come back and talk about a, a little bit of a whole lot of bias that we have and how it is so deep seated. In some cases, it is pure racism. In other cases, it's a bias that we can't get away from. And certainly three hours isn't going to cut it. And uh, where did it all come from? How is it that all of this has now come to the forefront when, in fact, uh, this bias, and it used to be just straight-out racism. I mean, it went, well, how far back? We're talking about, in the case of African-Americans, slavery. How's that for bias? All the way to today, where even the most liberal of us, the most progressive, the most non-racist of us, have an internal bias clock. And there's no way around it. So I want to come back, spend a couple of minutes exploring this. And uh, at the end of this, uh, you'll probably, I think you're going to agree with me. Because it makes all the sense in the world. Oh, as a matter of fact, let me do this. We're going to take a break. And in the next four or five minutes during the commercial break, you are going to get a full college education. Hey, if those people at Starbucks can learn how to deal with bias... We can give you a, uh, a bachelor's degree in five minutes. As a matter of fact, why don't you start it off, uh, Professor Jennifer? Tell me something good. KFI handle here on a uh, Tuesday, May 29th. Okay, this afternoon, uh, all of Starbucks, 8,000 stores across the country shutting down for... A lesson in anti-bias thinking. And, uh, God, I kind of love this. I do. Because in three hours, uh, they're going to teach all the employees, like 175,000 of them, uh, that, number one, you're biased. Number two, we're going to show you how to deal with it. And number three, we're going to fix it. And uh, as you leave tonight after work, you'll no longer be biased. And uh, eight, how many, do the, since every store, I guess, has to have an expert, who's going to do the teaching of anti-bias? Since it is so complicated, implicit bias. We're not talking about uh, overt bias. Implicit bias uh, based on assumptions or inference about behavior, right? Is someone threatening, friendly, caring, indifferent? And the problem is according to uh, University of Oregon Law and Psychology, uh, Psychology researcher, we're not usually even aware that we're engaging in that type of thinking. Oh, so that's the other one. First of all, uh, Starbucks has to make the employees aware that this is going on and then teaching them how to do it all in the space of three or four hours. Now, there really is bias out there. For African-Americans particularly, that's the worst because of the history of African-Americans in this country coming out of their history of slavery. Boy, you talk about bias, right? They, they've come out of slavery in the history of this country. And researchers, and there's uh, like a thousand papers have been written since World War II. Uh, we associate black skin with evil, black male, for example. Right? We see black children as older than they actually are, studies have shown. We see young black men, obviously a threat because of all of the reasoning, but a little bit more, uh, a, a, a little bit more uh, internal. 
I think is the word I want to use. Young black men are seen as taller, heavier, and more muscular and physically threatening than white uh, young men. Uh, Racial minorities are more likely than white people to be victims of harassment and exclusionary behaviors left out of social events, which is absolutely true. I mean, when you look at bias, it is so deep-seated that it is something that I think... I think you can do entire college degrees in bias. I think you can do PhDs in bias. A thousand studies alone and papers have been written about this. And it is such a sophisticated, it is so deep-seated, it is so, so sociologically complicated. I'll, okay, here's one. If I'm going to give you a bias, uh, yeah, let's say I'm going to do a seminar on bias, right? Practically speaking, Starbucks. It's going to be 45 seconds. Hey, here it is. You treat everybody the same. That's it. That's the bottom line. Anybody seen treating anybody differently, particularly people of color, minorities, other religions, uh, women who wear hijabs, if they're treated any differently than anybody else, you're fired. Okay, there's our bias. And we don't care why. I don't want to hear what internal thinking goes on. I don't want to hear how you were raised. I don't want to hear where uh, your family comes from. I don't want to hear how your parents think. I don't want to hear it. It doesn't matter to me. Bottom line, you treat anybody differently, you're fired. Okay, there's there's my bias lecture. Now, you get to understand why. Go to a shrink. And then when you're done with a shrink, talk to a sociologist. And then when you're done with a sociologist, talk to a historian. And spend months or years trying to figure it out, as opposed to three or four hours this afternoon. Okay, so that's number one, right? You treat anybody differently, you're out on your ass. Okay, there there's our bias. And the other one that they have to deal with, and I don't know if this is, I guess this is part of bias too. Do you allow anybody to walk in and use the restroom and hang out as long as possible at Starbucks? Now, that's no big deal uh, if you're a white person and you're in Beverly Hills. You're not homeless. And it's easy to say, okay, go ahead and use the restroom. No one's going to say no to that. You know, the manager's not going to say you have to buy something. At least I've experienced that only once or twice when I had to buy something. You know, can I use the restroom, please? Sure, it's over there. No problem. However, in those areas that are kind of sketchy where the homeless lives, oh, I'm sorry, I'm biased because I'm now calling the areas where homeless live uh, sketchy. Handle, you should be ashamed of yourself. That is worth uh, some disciplining right there. So there is the issue that they're going to have to deal with. And that's not spending four hours talking to people. That's management sitting down. This is the board of director and senior management sitting down. Where do we go with this? The two African-Americans who were picked up and arrested in Philadelphia who didn't buy and were sitting down waiting for someone and made it very clear they're not customers. What do you do with situations like that? Where, as a matter of fact, they didn't look homeless, they were dressed well, the 
tremendous educations, handled it so calmly when they were arrested. I mean, really gentlemen about that. I wouldn't have, I would have gone berserk. But they handled it beautifully on their side. Calm, collected, and uh, it, it made the cops look bad and it made management look bad. They were the heroes on this one. And so that's what Starbucks has to do is figure out how do we handle, what's the philosophy of this company? We allow homeless people in, we allow people to stay there, and what is it going to affect the bottom line? How many people are going to go, let's say you work downtown, and there's two or three uh, Starbucks. You tell me you're not going to go to Pete's, you're not going to go to Coffee Tea or me, or is that Coffee Tea and me? Yeah, Tea Leaf, or uh, the, I, I don't go to any of those places. Man, I'm not going to spend $4 for a cup of coffee, damn no. Damn right, no. So, you know, so there, I can't wait to hear what four hours this afternoon is going is to is, is be taught about bias. Total waste of time. Total. Mm. You know, we go through an anti-bias training, discrimination training. Every year we have to do it. All right. And they ask questions. Right? You ever talk about women's breasts? You can't do that. You ever slap women on the ass and say, hey, baby, you're looking good today. You can't do that. That's easy. And as a matter of fact, it's real easy at Starbucks this afternoon. Everybody gets treated the same. Thank you. Conversation over. All right. Oh, boy. Uh, Coming up, Todd Spitzer is joining us. Why? Because the judge in the homeless case in Orange County has just thrown another one at the Board of Supervisors. Here you go. Deal with the problem you'll never be able to deal with. This is KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640 handle here on a Tuesday, May 29th. Some of the uh, big stories we're covering. The North Korea-U.S. summit looks like it's back on track, sort of, kind of, maybe. And uh, you've got uh, officials going to, uh, North Korean officials going to New York uh, to meet with our high-end officials. I think the Assistant uh, Secretary of State, uh, Deputy Secretary of State. Then you have Americans and North Koreans in Singapore, where it's ostensibly going to take place. You have them in North Korea. Uh, So it's moving forward rather quickly. Okay, now, on the homeless issue. Boy, it's like uh, we deal with homeless all the time because it's obviously a huge issue. Southern California has become the poster child of this entire homeless issue across the United States. And particularly Orange County is where it really is hit home. And uh, Todd Spitzer, who is... uh, Orange County supervisor is obviously in the middle of all this. Here's the latest. U.S. District Judge David Carter uh, told leaders and law enforcement agencies, uh, law enforcement from the cities of Santa Ana and Anaheim, he doesn't want the homeless bounce back and forth between the cities. He wants specific site for emergency intake, new deadline. June 13th answers plans by July 16th when the armories temporary housing closed down. All right, Todd, uh, and I know it goes all, it always goes back to the counties. How does anybody deal with this? Because we're no closer than we were before. What's the latest on this? Well, thanks and good morning, Bill. 
Actually, I think we're a lot. <clears throat> I think we're a lot closer, Bill, and I think we're doing an excellent job. You got to remember, we cleared the riverbed, 700 individuals. We cleared the civic center, didn't we? So we have taken problems that have been persistent, especially in the Santa Ana Civic Center, for decades, and we've actually moved people into services and found them shelter. Uh, Kramer, which is in my district, 200-person shelter has completely been expanded and built out. We're walking the media now, through that on Friday, Bill. So we have done a, an amazing all right. job uh, well, in Orange County. Yeah, good for you. I mean, uh, a self-congratulating politician. Boy, I've never heard of that, Todd, ever in my entire life. Now, uh, where have these people gone, Todd? If you're talking about it's temporary housing, what do you do with these people? you keep in these shelters forever? No, of course not. The idea is to move people into services so they can turn their lives around and get into permanent supportive housing how do they do that without the county without the city spending ridiculous amounts of money well you can't and uh there's millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars actually that come from the federal government and other sources bill to help us with this problem but look what's happening in los angeles in herb wesson's district and with the mayor in terms of little koreatown Bill, one of the things I've been adamant about, and I think the reason we've been successful in Orange County, is we don't just announce. And we, it, it boomeranged on us, if you remember, with the cities of Laguna Niguel, Huntington Beach, and Irvine. You cannot announce a location of a shelter without a clear understanding of where you're going to put these individuals, what services are going to provide, and how you're going to protect the public. At the end of the day, Bill, people are compassionate and empathetic and want to help. Not to the but homeless, they're not. Bill? No one wants them in their neighborhood. They don't want them in their neighborhood. I understand that. But we have successfully cited shelters in various communities, including my district, once people understand how you're okay. going to operate it. All right. Now, other than existing locations, where do you have new locations for the homeless that isn't pissing off every single neighborhood? I agree, Bill, and that's what the judge, the judge gave us an ultimatum, right? And you, you teed it up in your opening. Uh, on June 13th, he's getting everybody back together in his courtroom, and he says, I want three sites. Now, mind you, he was originally happy with one site, and it was primarily going to be the responsibility of the South Orange County cities to find that site. As you know, they came back with a remote site in Silverado Canyon, and that didn't satisfy anybody. So we, we went back to the drawing board on that. And now I think he's grown very impatient with us, and he is saying June 13th he's looking for sites, multiple sites all over the county. So where, do you have them? Do you know where they are? I can tell you this, Bill. We are in negotiations with various jurisdictions for sites. We're talking about that, and they're very sensitive for exactly the reasons you talked about. But I will tell you this. The greatest mistake anybody could make is to talk about sites in the abstract without a plan whatsoever, which is why it boomeranged in Orange County and why it's boomeranging in Los Angeles. All right, so, you can't do it that way, Bill. All right, so you now have, the public. All right, so you now have uh, what, June 16th, is that what you said? Uh, or excuse me, July, early July. Two got, dates, Bill. Uh, June 13th for uh, uh, all hands on deck in, in his courtroom. And then July 16th, he's threatening with the TRO. Got it. So you have to come in with July 16th with locations. All right, here you go. Here's where you're going to put them. And at that point, as soon as you announce, Todd, the neighborhoods are going to go berserk. You're going to have lawsuits filed. You're going to have uh, the, the neighborhoods going and asking for injunctions. I mean, you, I, I, I assume you're prepared for that. 
Bill, I've been I've been dealing with this for two years. I went in my community for Kramer in East Anaheim, and I I, I talked to a thousand people in a local church. Of course, they're ready to take your head off. But let me tell you something, and why we've been successful. We've not had one incident or one complaint about Kramer, which is a homeless shelter in my district. Because, there, but it was already there, right? It was not already there. Bill. Where is so? Where is it located? Where it's is Kramer? Right it's right at the 91 freeway and, and the are, Kramer exit. Are there any uh, neighborhoods in that area? Well, there, of course, across the riverbed, there are. There are residents who are very upset. It's in a light industrial area, and those people were upset. And since it opened, you would not know it was okay. a shelter. And we've not had one call for service there by the police Fair or enough. one complaint. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Come July 16th, we're probably going to have you on the air July 17th and say, okay, Todd. Now what? All right, Todd, thank you. Thank Todd, you so much. All Todd. right, Todd Spitzer, who uh, is Orange County supervisor dealing with uh, the homeless. It's just, it's crazy down there. It's crazy here. We have story after story. You tell me about it, uh, an insurmountable problem. All right, uh, coming up, did the federal government really lose a 1,000 migrant kids as the story has exploded? No, not really. Matter of fact, the feds are doing more than what the law calls for. And I'll explain that when we come back. In the meantime, Jen. KFI Handle here. It is a uh, Tuesday morning, May 29th. Some of the big stories that we are covering today. It looks like uh, the U.S.-North Korea summit may be back on track uh, three teams working on it right now. One in Singapore, one in New York, and one in North Korea. Also, Starbucks closing 8,000 locations this afternoon to offer the 100, not offering, forcing 175,000 employees anti-bias training. Three hours is going to change everything. Anti-bias. Uh, those of them who don't want to go may consider going to medical school for three or four hours and becoming doctors. It's just as good. Okay, now, uh, there is a controversy swirling about uh, regarding uh, the Trump administration. Oh, really? A controversy swirling about? And this is on all, all over social media talking about how uh, over a 1,000 kids have been lost, immigrant children. And it has to do with uh, separating immigrant children from their parents. And uh, over the weekend, the president blamed Democrats for a horrible law that separates immigrant children from their parents. But this thousand people loss has nothing to do with separating parents. This has to do with kids who had arrived alone at the southwest border. Alone, as in without parents. Most of them Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and uh, for the same reasons that the Central Americans have been fleeing that area for several years now. Drug cartels, gang violence, uh, which is horrible down there. So here's what happens. The government picking up these kids at the border now has to take care of children. And so they put them in. Detention centers. Now, remember, parents are not here. These are kids by themselves. And then they start looking to place them with sponsors. Any family member that they can find, even extended family, non-sponsor, non-family members who come forward, and of course they're vetted, 
And uh, so they've placed him. Now what? Well, that's basically it, according to law. However, the government started calling up to find out, which they didn't have to do. So last year, the government, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, began calling to determine what happened to the 7,635 kids the government placed between October and the end of the year. And from these calls, here's what the government learned. 6,000 of those kids remained with their sponsors. Good enough. 28 had run away. By the way, they're also, they're also set for hearings, too. I mean, keep in mind that uh, they're illegal aliens. All right, so 6,000 remained with the sponsors. 28 had run away. Five had been already deported. Five out of uh, 6,000, out of 7,000. And all of a sudden, you have unaccounted for uh, a 1,400 kids. How is that possible? Well, some of the adult sponsors simply chose not to respond. If they're, if it's a... Uh, a Latino family that these kids are being placed with, which inevitably it is, an aunt, an uncle, a second cousin, uh, they're not going to come back and say, yeah, the kids are doing good. Let me write a report. Incidentally, losing track of kids is uh, not a new phenomena. Same thing happened in 2016 with a governmental report. Said, yeah, we're losing kids because we're not keeping track of them. Now, Now, you take that, where the government, in my opinion, acted appropriately, and you have Attorney General Jeff Sessions announcing a zero-tolerance policy, including imposing criminal penalties. And he is fast-tracking deportation hearings, adding a ton of new immigration judges. Now, if a mother or father is with the child when they come over. Keep these lost kids. Keep in mind, they're not with parents. However, if a child is with the parent and is picked up for illegal entry, the minor has to be taken from the parent. And there's a new policy that's going to increase the numbers big time because the government is going to be far more aggressive. By the way, there's no law mandating separation. So uh, the government has a right to keep them together, not keep them together. And so uh, the Trump administration and the reason, not the reason that they've lost the kids. That one, I think whatever's happening on social media is a bunch of crap. The government is not responsible for that. They're, matter of fact, are trying to track them down. What the government is responsible for is a zero tolerance policy which is going to increase the number of people that are picked up, therefore going to increase family members that are in detention. It's going to increase separating kids from their parents and looking for uh, other places in which to put those children. It's, uh, it's a mess. It's one, of, it's one of those issues, like the homeless issue, where it becomes virtually insurmountable. Uh, there's never an easy answer, and how do we deal with it? No, we can look to other governments. And uh, they're having a tough time, too. But you know what they do is they just let people in until they don't. You've got Holland, you have Sweden, who have had Germany open arms to immigrants. Legal, illegal, we are here to be the parents of the world. We're here to accept you into our family of Sweden. 
until there's so many of them, you just shut down the border. That's all. See, they don't need walls in those countries because they don't have countries right next to them that have untold number of illegal immigrants, aliens, actually. Immigrant is a legal definition of someone who has the ability, the legal stand, uh, the legal status to be in a country. All right, uh, coming up, Handle on the News, late edition, right here. The first- Handle on the News, late edition. Handle on the News. The mean lady is saying, give me my wig, give me my wig. And then Bill Handel. tasers the nice lady. I see flashes of light. And then that's when the fight kind of ended. Here's Bill Handel. All right. Good morning on a Tuesday, May 29th. Auspicious day, as uh, they say. Big stories we're covering today. The president just uh, slapped $50 billion. Uh, tariffs on $50 billion worth of goods that just happened. So we're going back and forth with uh, the president. Right, new tariffs on China, but wait a sec. ZTE, the big manufacturer of uh, phone parts, uh, we're going to let you guys come back in. We're going to open up the market, which we didn't two weeks ago. We shut it down. Uh, it just goes on all over the place. That's one of the big stories. All right. So now, oh, before uh, we get into uh, late edition, I'm re- reminding you: please join me for an elegant evening high atop Los Angeles, the KFI benefit of the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California. $400 donation, you and a guest will enjoy cocktails and appetizers at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown L.A., along with unlimited Sky Slide rides. All the KFI hosts and news people will be there. So it's Monday, October 1, 6 to 10 p.m. So you have plenty of time. Calendar this one. Uh, you have to be 21 years or older. By the way, that's uh, Monday, October 1st, 2023. Uh, 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Uh, log on to KFIAM640.com and search the word mixer. And if as long as we're telling people about stuff, we should mention what's going on on your Instagram at Bill Handel Show. Uh, your daughter, Barbara has started taking video of you when you're at home doing all the different things that you do. And uh, there's currently, there's three new posts up of you, and there's going to be more. So you really got to follow that Instagram account, at Bill Handel Show. And the latest post, the very latest one, is a clip from your epically failed television program, Judge for Yourself. Yeah, worst TV show in the history of mankind. I got to say, I just watched it. I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, it's that bad. That was probably the best thing I ever did, that one segment. After that, it fell into the toilet. All right, let's move on. Lead story. Crazy story. Uh, Jen started with this one this morning. A mother taken into police custody early this morning allegedly fatally striking her seven-month-old daughter with a car. She and her boyfriend were having an argument. Boyfriend has the child in his arms. She runs over him, and the child dies. Two counts of assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, I don't know why it wouldn't be murder at this point. Manslaughter. Intent, maybe? No intent Well, they said That's still manslaughter. That's still... And by the way, that's implied intent. You see someone ahead of you and you step on the gas. Believe me, intent is implied all over the place on that one. Well, right. they say more charges are expected. Oh, yeah. Oh, there Big we go. one. Okay. Yeah. Well, the president now says that the Russia investigation is going to meddle with the midterm elections. I talk to 
Bars. Now, metal, that's the magic word here. This, he's never gone so far as to say the investigators are actually doing what Russia is accused of doing, and that is getting in to alter the outcome of the elections. So it's not just a witch hunt. It's now an aggressive stand to get in the way of, to change the election. So he's already uh, trying to uh, undermine the credibility if he if they lose the House or they lose the Senate yeah, or whatever. Be, he's already laying the right. groundwork to say that's but, not legitimate. But for the Mueller investigation, getting involved in the election itself, going way beyond just investigating Russia, uh, it's just, I guess, either what, by uh, cybercrime? By hacking? I mean, how do they have uh, Mueller people going to the polls? He hasn't fleshed out uh, his theory yet about exactly who is and going how. to meddle and how. Right. Maybe, maybe more of his theory will be forthcoming, though. Uh, police are launching a probe after a video surfaced showing a police officer punching a woman on the beach. Yeah. In, of course, New Jersey... Uh, the problem is the video doesn't start until after something has already happened where they're trying to arrest this woman. You hear voices in the video saying, not saying stop hitting her, but saying stop resisting. In any event, uh, anytime we'll now, of course, there's, you know, police have to use force to get somebody into custody. It becomes a situation. Of like course this. it does. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we will come back and finish this up. We'll go through as many stories as possible. And uh, Jen... All right. Timing on chewing again. You think after all these years, I would have this wired, wouldn't you? No. No. No, we don't think that. In That's fact, true. after all these years, we think it less than That's we might have excellent. 25 years ago. Well said. All right, back we go. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Hey, remember those bathrooms for homeless people on Skid Row in uh-huh. Venice Beach? Those ones that they decided to stop having them work in March? Well, now they're just gone completely. Yep. That's just the way it is. The city is back to its uh, we'd rather have you squat on the sidewalk policy. And it's working beautifully. The new the, the policy of squatting on the sidewalk. Really? Yeah. They can't. So they, been down, you ever been down to Skid Row? Fifth well, Street? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a delight. They can't get restrooms on Skid Row, but yet they are in a $1.2 billion plan to build 10,000 affordable housing units. But they can't even set some bathrooms up and have them work. Uh, here is the, the question, and I'm assuming, and uh, I've never used a uh, restroom on Skid Row. What a shocker, right? I'd rather have my bladder explode. <laughs> But uh, I'm assuming that those are not the cleanest, most inviting restrooms on the planet. I think that's fair to that's assume. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. You, you go to Europe or even I think New York has a few of those where you put like a buck. And that's a lot of money to or in Europe, it's a, a euro, a dollar thirty to go to the uh, to go to the restroom. But they sanitize themselves and oh, that's right. they're brilliant. Yeah. You walk in the door and the door closes and you do whatever you're going to do, and then as you walk out, you press the button to walk out, and uh, it the doors close again, and it totally sanitizes. I mean, with uh, almost bleach. I mean, it's crisp, clean bathroom. 
and it's 20 minutes, I think, or 15 minutes, and they tell you if you're still here 15 minutes, that door opens. Oh, wow. Hello! Uh, Hey, on the subway, black woman versus Jewish man. No, it's not a rom-com. Such a Jew. And everybody hates the Jews, but during... So, apparently, uh, it's a packed subway car, and a woman, a black woman with three kids gets on the subway, and nobody stands up to offer a seat. And so another black woman on the subway starts yelling at everybody, hey, you know, nobody's going to stand up. What's going on here? And then for some reason, she says, if it was a Jewish family, y'all would have gotten up. Well, standing is an Orthodox Jewish guy who works for uh, the Wall Street Journal. He's a software engineer. And he just says, hey, can we not make it about race? And she says, it's all. About race, because you Jews. Right. And uh, there you go. And And it's one of those viral videos. And he was facing east. (laughs) I don't know what he was doing. He tried to have a calm conversation about it, and she laid into him and all the Jews. As far as just chivalry, period, I was just on BART up in the Bay Area over the weekend, and uh, it was a totally crowded car. I get on. No there were like four up. men sitting there. Yeah. Not one of them offered. Well, Not, nobody. And, you know, come on, guys. It's a matter of fact. I wouldn't have taken the seat, but nobody offered. Yeah, well, I go a little bit beyond that. Oh, no. If there's anybody sitting in a handicapped seat who's clearly handicapped, I walk in and say, get up. <laughs> Move away, Wayne. The lightning will be back soon. Uh-huh. All Here right. It comes. Well, speaking of lightning striking... Uh, there is a business that says its reputation tanked after it shunned an LGBTQ group, and now it's suing a church because of it. Sue, sue, well, that's because the church owned the property, and part of the lease was you cannot do business with an LGBT group. And by the way, they knew that up front, LGBT. Yeah. Uh, they knew that up front, and they said we couldn't do business with this group because it's, by the way, an African-American LGBTQ uh, group. Support group. So yeah, that P just, flag. Yeah, P flag. Uh, that Portland. just They're... that just adds to uh, the story, and uh, they they went out of business. Yeah. So this group goes to this Ambridge Event yep. Center, says, "Hey, we want to have whatever event there," and the co- the company says, "Hey, we can't because we can't allow LGBTQ yeah. in the building." What? And now the company yeah. is gone belly up, and now it's suing the church. Does it have a case? Maybe. Maybe, but it, because there's it was discrimination. Was, on behalf, I don't, I, you know, but it signed the morals I don't know. The people running the event center don't have a case against the church because they signed a contract. I know, but still. The it's church an un- m- it, I, could possibly find themselves in trouble. Yeah, that's. Uh, we'll do that on uh, Friday. Do they have a case? Monday. Monday, I knew that. Yeah. Uh, I will. You know what? Idea. I'll get the, because, because it yeah. has to do with what the law is in right. Portland for yeah. religious freedom. And uh, the other thing I want to point out is a political thing. You know, of all the groups you don't want to screw around with is the LGBTQ crowd uh, just on a political basis because they become so powerful. If you're going to go after a group, go after the Inuits. You know, they're, uh, they don't have a lot of power. There's no political base. You can make fun of them. You can throw them out. You can make Eskimo jokes. Nobody cares. Not the LGBTQ crowd. Way too powerful. All right, good to know. I'm crossing LGBTQ <laughs> off my list. I'm adding Inuits. Inuit, yes. Well, how the tables have turned on Democratic Assemblywoman Christina Garcia. She used to be a huge leader of the Me Too movement. Now she's fighting for her political life. This is my fight song. Yeah. 
Because of the allegation from a former aide yeah. also, that said she grabbed him right. and stuff? But also the comments that she made, uh, the homophobic comments that she made about former Assembly Speaker John Perez, openly gay. And, uh, you know, one of the things you don't do is make fun of the Speaker when you're in the Assembly. He immediately stripped her, or actually the uh, current Speaker, stripped her of all her committee assignments. She's got no juice anymore. No, she can't do any. She, she can has a vote, vote and that's, that's it. it. That's yep. it. She's a vote, and she's a Democrat. As if, well, it actually it does matter because I think super majority is by one. So is she going to start voting Republican? No, she I don't might think so. Not be she may be out. Longer. She's probably gone. All right, we're done. Oh yes. All right, coming up. Uh, koala core. You never heard of koala core? Yeah. Uh, Sierra Granger, who is married to Dan Granger, who used to work here on KFI. Uh, and is a, is a friend. He's a good guy, and so is she. Uh, they created this koala core, and I'll explain all that when we come back when I interview her. This is KFI AM 640. my opinion don't ask me to lie and beg for forgiveness for making you cry for making you cry i'm only human after all all right kfi am 640 bill handle here and there is a young lady here uh oh, not so young okay <laughs> uh young lady here uh sierra sierra granger and I have known her husband, now Sierra, for years and years. And uh, what a story uh, Sierra and Dan have. But, I have, uh, but I'm going to ask Sierra a couple of questions about this. You have something called the Koala Corps. And, of course, no one would have any idea what that is. So, And I actually went through this with you because as you were going through this process, obviously I kept in touch with Dan. And I have seen this entire endeavor of yours uh, I've seen it evolve. So let's start talking about, first of all, what it is and how you got there. Okay. Uh, we are just launching this program at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Um, and the the bottom line, what it is, it holding babies. It's getting a whole uh, slew of volunteers in the hospital uh, to make sure that every baby that can be held that isn't being held is held. Now, it's you think that's fairly... First of all, simplistic. And number two, you, you wouldn't think that there's a need for that. Uh, and right. so how did you discover there was a need and now you want to do something about it? How did that evolve? Yeah, it is something that we just think of in foreign countries or orphanages, but it's just right here in our community. And these little ones um, are oftentimes alone because their parents have to work or they don't have child care for their other kids. Um, there are times where kids are abandoned or they're um, wardens of the state. Uh, we know this firsthand because we spent so much time at Children's Hospital. Our second daughter, Shay, uh, was born with cognitive delays and all kinds of complicated medical issues. And we were there for almost six months. Uh, she, she was in the hospital for six months? Yes. Wow. Yeah, we, we lived there. We 
basically we had to get a an apartment near the hospital. We had to give away our dog, put our two year old into full time daycare. It was a very it's very not reversed. Yeah, where you kept the dog and gave away your. That's true. Yes. That's true. Didn't want to get you too confused. <laughs> I didn't like the dog that much. <laughs> yeah. So it was um, it was a really really difficult time. It was horrible, and um, we didn't know if Shay would make it out of that hospital alive. She had multiple surgeries, uh, probably a dozen surgeries and procedures while we were there. Um, she fought for her life, and um, obviously that really shaped us and shook us. All right. So how does that translate? Because obviously you were there every day. You had an apartment there, mm-hmm. so you were there for hours and hours a day. Mm-hmm. But how then did that translate into uh, the creation of the Koala Corps? So while we were there, obviously babies need to be held, and Shay was in pain, and I'd be rocking her. And I would look around and see full beds and empty rooms and hear babies cry, hear um, them need comfort, and I would rock my baby and know that I couldn't help them. Nurses do the best they can, uh, but there's not enough people to go around. There just isn't enough time in the day for, for them to hold every every child. And we're not just talking about a couple of minutes, right? The the kids have to be held for some length. Of right. Time. I would rock Shay for hours, and it was you know all I could do to comfort her. And it's so important, and we all know the importance of touch. And for babies especially, it helps uh, with their pain and their fear and anxiety. Uh, it's it's just crucial to uh, what they're going through. They need that. How did you know that? I mean, uh, what made you cognizant of the fact that, number one, they, well, they weren't having it, that's obvious, but that they needed it so desperately? Was this a study you were doing? Was it intuitive? Uh, where did that come from? Well, I'm a mom. Okay. <laughs> so it is pretty intuitive. You, you know instinctually that a, a child needs to be held. I remember times where Shay was um, intubated, uh, which with a, a ventilator, um, recovering from surgery in the ICU, and I wasn't able to hold her because of how fragile she was, but she just kept her hand out and wrapped around my finger for hours and hours, and she didn't want to let go of that. And to see babies being rocked and comforted and no longer crying, I mean, it it really is common sense, you know. I, I haven't done a lot of studies, but it's it's something that... I saw a lot of. Can you see a physical change in these babies uh, before, after, during their held, while they're held? Yeah, you see them relax. Um, they'll just snuggle right into you. There were times where I walked into Shay's room because I couldn't be there all the time. And there was a, an elderly man rocking her. And she was just melted into him. And she was calm. And uh, it was it was just a beautiful sight to see, knowing that she was not alone. All right, uh, let's take a break because I want to come back and talk about some specifics uh, because uh, this program is not just you show up and uh, you hug kids. Right. There is uh, there, there there's some meat there, so mm-hmm. we'll talk about that when we come back. In the meantime, let's check in with Jennifer Jones-Lee. For a new- One foot in front of the other. All right, we're back. Uh, Handle here and the morning crew. Sierra Granger 
who I've known for a bunch of years, has uh, she and her husband Dan have started uh, this organization called the Koala Corps. And uh, that comes out of her daughter, Shay, uh, having been at Children's Hospital for six months. I mean, she was born with all kinds of problems, had all kinds of uh, developmental issues, physical issues also. And uh, it was uh, Sierra having gone there every day, taking an apartment there just to be near uh, her daughter and noticing that uh, the other kids in there in the hospital who were also desperately ill needed to be held and weren't being held. Because uh, even parents who wanted to uh, didn't have, uh, don't have the luxury of mm-hmm. having enough money that one of them can uh, be there or get an apartment near children's. And uh, so uh, out of this came, comes the Koala Corps. And you were explaining how the kids just need to be held. Mm-hmm. And it's desperate, uh, desperate need for that. And the professionals don't have time to do it. All right. So you create this Koala Corps for the purpose of holding children. Right. It's right? simple. So why wouldn't you get volunteers just to walk in and hold kids? I would think it would be the simplest thing going. Right. And there are people who want to do it. There's, there's no shortage of volunteers. The problem is the training process and the, the time it takes to get people in there is very um, extensive. And they only have one staff member at Children's Hospital who runs all of the programs, all the social programs there, and they just can't get to it. So there are a handful of volunteers there, but it doesn't even make a dent to how many kids right, need so, it. So let me ask, when you talk about training, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, how much training do you need to pick up a kid and hug a kid? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Training is over. What? How extensive? I mean, what's involved here in getting a volunteer? Yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of background uh, checks they go extensively into uh, your whole life and there is a, a training process obviously there's a mentor process you need to um, spend hours just volunteering for the hospital in general uh, you need to get to know the hospital and you need to make sure that you're actually able to handle it it is not for everyone people think oh I just want to go in and hold them it sounds so great but it, it can be quite traumatic to be in there and see these kids in the position that they are. Well, I'm assuming screaming, uncomfortable enough, mm-hmm. being traumatized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're talking scars and tubes and, you know. So there is a world to that. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so uh, exactly how does this work? So all we need, this is the whole point, we just need one staff member. We need to fund one person to train, mentor, and run the program. So ultimately, we need $300,000, um, actually slightly under, uh, to have three a three-year commitment. Children's Hospital doesn't want to start the program unless they can fund it for three years. So that's that's bottom line what we need, one person. All right, but when you're talking about $300,000 over three years, that's $100,000 mm-hmm. a year. Uh, is that what someone who runs a volunteer program earns? Well, when I saw the breakdown, and I, I can't give you the exact numbers, but I think it's about $65,000 for their salary. Okay, and that's then, not, which is not crazy. Right, plus the benefits and the cost of having um, an employee, which I didn't realize is very expensive. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you having a few employees is not cheap. Yeah, I work for free. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't know. <laughs> so in order to do this, I mean, how many kids, let me ask you this. Let me go the other way. How many uh, kids, infants, who would benefit uh, enormously from this are there at any given time at Children's Hospital? Well, there's over 300 and maybe 350-something beds that are um, able to be used. Um, A little over 100 are in the ICUs. 
And, and we're talking about infants now? Yes, sorry. The the pediatric um, intensive care unit, the neonatal intensive care unit, and there's the cardiothoracic intensive care unit. And there are some volunteers that um, are in there, but there's only a fraction of those children that can actually okay. be held. But there's hundreds of other babies on the floor. So how many volunteers would Floors. you like? Oh, gosh, I want... A, in, in order to make this happen. I want every single day to be as many volunteers right. that would hold every kid that's available. So it's unlimited, basically. Absolutely. All right. So the problem is not going to be finding the volunteers. No. It's running the program, hiring the person and spending the time and effort to do background checks, et cetera. Right. So it's it's a fairly ex- extensive program. So it's a lot bigger than I anticipated. A simple mission, but but yes, a lot more it. complex. And obviously dealing with uh, Children's Hospital, which is uh, way, way up there in the credibility world. Uh, and the organization is called Koala Corps, and that's spelled K-O-A-L-A, Koala Corps. And uh, uh, how do people get hold of you, in both on the volunteer basis and helping to fund it? Right. You can go to... Um, the Children's Hospital website, and there's a spot where you can click on volunteer and you can fill out the form and get yourself on a list and get started. Um, but we're starting uh, this program off with a fundraiser with Children's Hospital called the Walk and Play, and that fundraiser is on June 2nd. Now, you can go directly to Children's Hospital. Uh, actually, so the Walk and Play we- uh, website is the best. Just Google Walk and Play Children's Hospital, and the page will directly come up and hit Donate. Look for our team. Our team uh, is Koala Corps, and it will go directly, that money will go directly to this cause specifically. You can also find us on Facebook if you just search Koala Corps. We'll come up right at the top with all the links. All right. We'll also have uh, a link through uh, our page, and that's KFIAM640.com. And we'll put it on my page, keyword handle. And uh, hopefully we get this thing going. Extraordinary. It's just uh, terrific, Sierra. Uh, the world needs people like you and Dan. Thank sure. you so much. Oh, it's true. All right. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Uh, coming up, well, at 9.50, our last segment, uh, and that is you need to speak English, right? And uh, the bottom line is Spanish is still polarizing the U.S. big time. And I'll share some personal stories with you. And coming up next, uh, paying twice. You pay a little bit the first time around. You pay more money than you could ever believe, as in you can sell your house, you can sell your, you can unload your savings, you can borrow money from your kid's piggy bank, and it's not enough. And I'll share that with you uh, when we come back. But first... uh People say I got a drinking problem That ain't no reason to stop People saying that I've hit rock bottom Hey, handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, some of the big stories that we're covering. Uh, Israeli jets have bombed militants in the Gaza Strip after uh, the militants in Gaza lobbed 25 mortar shells into Israel Looks like the summit may be back on again. We'll find out more about that tomorrow. Okay. Oh, real quickly, uh, please join me for an elegant evening high atop Los Angeles. The KFI Bennett for the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California, for your $400 donation. You and a guest will enjoy cocktails and appetizers at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown LA. Unlimited sky slide rides. All the KFI hosts and news people will be there. It's Monday, October 1, so uh, you have plenty of time to calendar this from 6 to 10 o'clock. 
Uh, you have to be 21 years or older to attend. 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross. Get prepared California campaign. For details, log on to KFIAM640.com and the mixer. And the search word is mixer. Okay. A couple things about our healthcare system, and I want to share uh, some research that just came out. And this has to do with the cost of pharmaceuticals. Now, if you talk to doctors and uh, they work under Medicare, for example, if they had Medicare patients, they get no money. It's almost impossible. Medicare is socialized medicine. The government negotiates, actually doesn't even negotiate. It tells doctors what they're going to be paid. Tells hospitals what they're going to be paid. Uh, However, it doesn't say a word about pharmaceuticals. For the most part, pharmaceutical companies can charge what they want. So here is the shame of this. And that is not only are pharmaceuticals, are drugs beyond comprehension expensive in some cases. Uh, There are two drugs that I want to share with you. And that's the FDA approved a new cancer treatment and it uses a patient's immune system. Uh, one of the drugs known as Chimeria uh, uh, or Chimeria, uh, and that is uh, $475,000 for one-time treatment. Uh, there's another drug uh, known as Yascarta, uh, which uh, does much the same thing, and that's a bargain. That's only $373,000 for a single treatment. So... Not only is that in and of itself uh, absolutely depraved, because as someone pointed out in uh, at the FDA, and that is, what good is are these miracle drugs if no one can afford to use them? Good point. But here's the other problem, and that is the NIH, National Institute of Health, uh, subsidizes those. It's research done by the NIH. Uh, That's our taxpayer dollars. And the NIH has patents on that research. I mean, they own the research. They own the patents, obviously. And then that research is turned over to private uh, pharmaceutical companies. Incidentally, does the NIH get any money when, for example... Uh, Kim Raya is sold for $475,000 for one-time treatment, even though the research came out of NIH? Uh, no. No. So, look at this. As tax as taxpayers, we are paying for underwriting the cost of development of these drugs, and then they turn around, uh, the pharmaceutical companies, because the NIH, of course, doesn't manufacture drugs, then they turn around the companies and charge us, uh, well, in the case of uh, these two drugs, uh, it's, it's impossible. Unless you have an insurance company, you can convince or write a check for $475,000, which, by the way, probably is a very easy thing to do, right? They're not going to deny that. Hey, not a problem. Who do we write a check to? And if you ask the NIH, how is it possible that your research paid by taxpayer dollars, the patents that you have filed, how is it possible that these pharmaceutical companies, which didn't do their own research, I mean, they did some of it, but a lot of it shared research, how is it possible that we pay on both ends? 
Well, if you talk to the NIH, they will tell you their mission does not include judging or evaluating drug prices by law. They have no control over the drug prices, even when the drugs are breakthroughs that are patented by the NIH. And a major goal of uh, the health institutes is to encourage the development of commercial products that benefit the public health. So in October, National Institute of Health announced a partnership with 11 drug companies to speed up the development of cancer treatments. It's a five-year project. These 11 drug companies totaling will contribute uh, $55 million, this five-year project, research project. The taxpayers will contribute $160 million. And the drug companies are going to get the benefit of all the sales. And some of these products have become blockbusters. I mean blockbusters. Scientists at the various health institutes under the NIH developed a lot of the technology used to create Gardasil. And that's a vaccine to prevent cervical cancer caused by um, common sexually transmitted virus, uh, uh, PPV. Uh, And um, the agency secured the patents, licensed it to Merck, who conducted the clinical trials. Merck said sales of Gardasil totaled $2.3 billion last year. Now, if you, by the way, if you have any daughters, uh, Gardasil is really important because what Gardasil does is make sure that uh, it, it's actually a, an STD prevention. It doesn't go, I mean, you can't stop the PPV, uh, the the. the, the what the hell is PPV? HPV, for? isn't it? A human HPV, papilloma I'm sorry. Yeah, virus. human papilloma virus. Sorry about that. And uh, it doesn't stop you from getting it, but it, it doesn't translate into cervical cancer, which uh, there's a too big a connection there. So what we did, uh, we gave our daughters uh, the shot, Gardasil, uh, when they were 13. And by the way, not because we were concerned about them having sex, because uh, we know they're not going to have sex until they get married. At least that's what they tell us. And we completely believe that our uh, 23-year-old daughters are still virgins. No question about it. But in the rare, rare chance that they actually do have sex, then Gardasil protects from uh, the HPV virus, which incidentally, most people don't even know they have. There are no Simpson uh, symptoms for the, hum- uh, the human papillomavirus. And I don't know what the percentage of women that have it in this country are is astronomical, like 70%, 80%, something crazy. You're looking up, uh, you're look- Jen, I, you're looking it all up. I don't think I've ever actually looked up like the stats on this. But the HPV spread, uh, it says anybody who's sexually active can get HPV, even if you've had sex with only one person. You can also develop symptoms years after you've had sex with someone who's infected. So that makes it hard to know when you first became infected or if you're walking around with it. You wouldn't know. And so the Gardasil guards. It's, an, it's, an, it, it's one of the great breakthrough drugs. Although my daughters certainly don't need it. And why, don't they, why do they not need it? Because they're not having sex. Because they're not having sex. That's absolutely correct. All right. You speak English? Okay. You speak Spanish? Not okay. Particularly in public places. That story is coming up. 
KFI AM 640. Handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning before Gary and Shannon. And uh, we're going fi- to uh, finish up with uh, English or Spanish. Actually, both. Now, there was a story recently, and it became a big story, about uh, this woman, Natalia Meneses, who was shopping at a Walmart in Georgia. Remember that? And her three-year-old daughter began uh, a conversation in Spanish. And overhearing the conversation in Spanish between the two of them, mother and child, and these are customers, mind you, a woman snaps at her, who she happens to be an American citizen, by the way, born in Colombia, And this woman, in a tone that was not particularly pleasant, said, you need to teach this kid to speak English because this is America and kids need to learn English. And if not, you need to get out of this country. And uh, uh, Manessis responded that, number one, both she and her daughter were American and they spoke English. Now, there is no chance that a three-year-old does not speak English or a five-year-old. I mean, that becomes impossible only by virtue of being in the country, unless uh, that person, unless that child is completely isolated and only goes to school where they only speak Spanish and is a house where there is no English and the radio is only Spanish and a neighborhood where not a word of English is spoken, you can isolate people today. Uh, Don't know about Georgia, but you certainly can in Southern California or Brownsville uh, in Texas. So... Here is the problem that is happening, and uh, there's a philosophy here that I want to share with you. Uh, First of all, Spanish, uh, which has been here forever, matter of fact, it was here before English was, is the most polarizing language we have in the United States. Two decades ago, there was an emotional debate here in California about banning bilingual education, which divided even Latino families. And, of course, that has since uh, gone into the bilingual education is simply part of who we are now. Well, the presidency has reignited this divide. Uh, Trump has rallied against illegal immigration and attacked the character of those character of those across the border. And one said, this is a country where we speak English, not Spanish. Well, we do both, obviously. And there is a line in the sand. And uh, here's my line. And you can agree or disagree. I'm fine with you speaking uh, Spanish or Norwegian or Farsi uh, or Russian. As a matter of fact, I kind of like it whenever I hear people in a store or in a line someplace talking to each other in in certain name of language here. And if I don't recognize it, I try to guess it. And... I'll typically go up to them and saying, what language are you speaking or are you speaking? And everybody's very nice, usually. It's kind of fun to try to guess the language. So uh, to get in the way of people speaking their native tongue amongst themselves in a public venue, I mean, uh, come on, really? What, you're offended that you have people from Armenia speaking Armenian who are here in the United States? Please. Here's the difference. When they are behind the counter or dealing with customers of any kind and are are not speaking English, are talking to each other 
in a language other than English, that I think is a problem. Two reasons. First of all, it's immediately exclusionary. And second of all, just the thought of, hey, we're speaking a language that you don't speak and we're keeping it so you don't understand. And I'm a customer. I don't want to be treated that way. When I walk into a store, walk into a business, if I'm going to a professional office and to, I don't care, doctor's office, I don't care, receptionist speaks to one of the nurses and they're speaking whatever language, usually Spanish. And it doesn't have anything to do with Spanish per se. It just so happens that Spanish is the foreign language here in the United States. I mean, there just aren't that many people that speak Tierra del Fuegan in uh, in this country or Swedish. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So there's the line for people to get offended when folks speak their native tongue here in this country. We don't have an official language, incidentally. It doesn't exist. Now, everybody happens to speak English, but English is not the official language in the United States. The official language in the United States, I guess, is sign language because you can't hear it. Wow, that's deep. I just thought of that. What do you think, Gary? Sign language is the... Yeah. Because I mean, you can't hear it? Yeah. Because it... Yeah. Because... <laughs> I mean, think about that for a moment. It's very metaphysical. Okay. okay. It is called American Sign Language. Uh, well, it could be Spanish Sign Language, too. But it, since no one speaks it or reads it, we don't know if it's a foreign language or not. That's why you can... What's going on, Gary? Great question. So uh, we have, remember the Morgan Freeman allegations that Mm -hmm. he was uh, sexually harassing some women? Yeah. His lawyers have already demanded that CNN retract their story because at least one woman has come out and said the comments that were attributed to her in that story were not true, that it didn't happen. So we actually have tape from her um, explaining that. And then this weird story about the official death toll in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria was 64. That's what the official government toll is. But this Harvard study comes out and says that that's about 4,600 people off of the number who actually died after Hurricane Maria. There's a discrepancy, isn't there? Slight. Uh, So we'll go into some of that. Uh, Also, uh, some of the internal Starbucks video that they've been using in terms of their training that's coming up today. I went nuts this morning. It's just... It, I went crazy this morning. The training should take about 14 seconds. It should. Welcome, everybody, to Starbucks. Thanks for being employees. Now, our number one rule of customer service is don't be a D to anybody. Right. Everybody Period. gets treated Now the let's same. go back to work and not lose $29 million in yep. uh, profits today. I mean, exactly. And uh, I talked about it this morning, uh, how uh, just sociologically, historically deep bias is. And they're, they're, at least Starbucks is going into bias, understanding bias. Yeah. Three hours. You know, they have, they have notebooks that they're giving out that, are blank, that you have to fill out, like a workbook that you have to fill out as part of this training. Like our training every year, our sexual harassment or our harassment training? Yeah. Do you understand? No. I mean, that's, I just answer no to everything. Works out just fine. Don't grab this and don't say that. It, that's it. You, you got go. it. All right. Also, I am uh, taking phone calls. Handle on the law, 877-520-1150. I'll be doing that for an hour, starting in just a moment off the air for future broadcast. 877-520-1150. Marginal legal advice. Coming up, Gary and Shannon. And Gary, as always, have a good show, my man. 
Okay. Thank Th- you, sir. You, you got it. KFI AM 640.